let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. In June of 1975, I went to the nation of Mexico to preach the gospel as a missionary. I was on a team of evangelists, and most of us were young people, but we had one old woman in our midst, Grandma Dorothy Baugh. Grandma was elderly. She was small and lean. She wasn't full of a lot of physical power, but Grandma Dorothy Baugh was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Well, one day we went to a remote village to preach the gospel and minister to the people. We were meeting inside a hall, and as we were there ministering, suddenly a madman entered the room. He was brandishing a sharp knife, and he started shouting in Spanish. Everybody was panicking. People were running and scattering. People were praying and shaking and shouting. But Grandma Dorothy Baugh stood to the full height of her short stature. She lifted up her hand and looked at the madman and said, Alto, en el nombre de Cristo Jesús, which means in English, stop in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, the madman kept coming. He was shouting something loud and dangerous. He was brandishing the knife. People were running, running and weeping. But Grandma Dorothy Boss stood her ground calm and collected. And she said the second time, Alto! En el nombre de Cristo Jesús. Still the madman came. He was getting closer and closer. He was waving his knife. And Grandma Dorothy Boss said, Alto! En el nombre de Cristo Jesús. And suddenly, the madman got a wild look in his eyes. He stopped. He dropped the knife. He turned and ran out of the building, arrested by the power of the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the amazing true testimony of Grandma Dorothy Baugh and how she stopped the madman in Mexico. But you see, the power to prevail doesn't come from physical strength. It's not within our statue or within our physique. But a little grandma overcame the enemy through the power of the name of Jesus when she allowed God to work through her. And the same thing is true for all of us in 2023. You will always prevail through Jesus when you allow his presence and power to work through you. For your victory is not based on your strength. Your victory is not based on your ability. Your victory is not based on your talent or training or education or anything about your economic or financial condition. Your victory is based on the name of Jesus and the promise of Jesus and the power of Jesus working in you. And you can always prevail because God is with you and God is for you and God is in you. That's the powerful truth we're going to discover in our sermon entitled, The Power to Prevail. We're going to discover three truths that will carry you through this year and give you the power to prevail. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you today. We thank you, first of all, that you brought us into this new year. And on this first day of the year, this first Sunday, we offer you praise and thanksgiving. And 
and we offer our lives to you, and we commit the year ahead to you. We ask you to fill us with your power, fill us with your presence, fill us with your promises that we might accomplish the good things uh, you've called us to do in this year. We submit to you now. I bind every voice that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to give us strength and grace and knowledge and wisdom and revelation that we might prevail in 2023. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said prevail. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, good morning once again and happy new year. It's great to be here with you on the first Sunday and the first day of 2023. We've gathered together today to give the Lord some praise because we have successfully entered another new year. So I want somebody to give God a shout today. I need somebody to stand up and praise him today. Come on, give the Lord your best praise right now. Hallelujah. Amen. But we're not just here to praise him. We're not just here to thank him. We're also here to learn the revelation and to learn the power that will carry us through 2023. Amen. Give the Lord a big shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And we're here to discover the truth that will help us to live the entire year in victory. Now, to help us learn that truth, we printed sermon notes. They're inside your bulletin. They look like this. And I invite you to take them out and follow along with me as we discover three truths to give you the power to prevail in 2023. If you're joining us online, you can get these notes free. Just download them at our website or on our social media pages. They're at the top of your notes and on the screen ahead of you is our scripture text for today. It's just a couple of simple verses from the words of Jesus in the gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 18 to 19. The scripture text is on your notes. It's on the screen. But this year, God's word will have the most power in your life when it's in your heart and on your lips. So I want everybody to read it out loud together. Read it in your best New Year's voice. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said prevail. Inside these few simple verses from our Lord Jesus, we get three keys, three truths uh, that will give us the power to prevail throughout this year. And here's our first truth today. I am God's project. Everybody say that after me. I am God's project. Now, to fully grasp this truth, you have to understand the exact words that Jesus spoke. The literal translation of verse 18 should actually say this. On this rock, I will build my ecclesia, 
my gathered people. See, the, Jesus didn't speak English. The word he used here was the word ecclesia, and that literally means my gathered people. And when the English translated this word, they came up with a new word, and they called it church. God bless the British. We love them, but they didn't do well in translating this passage. They made up a new word taken from the German word kirk, and today the word church has come to mean a building or an organization, but that's not at all what Jesus was saying. He was boldly declaring that he was going to build a people who were gathered around his name and gathered around his throne. And here's the first truth you need to pack up and take home with you on this New Year's Day. The church is not a building. The church is the people of God gathered around his name. In fact, the word church is used 140 times in the English New Testament, and not one single time does it refer to a building or a place. It always refers to the people of God gathered. See, the church is not something you attend. The church is the people of God. You cannot go to church. You are the church. And God's eternal plan was not to build a building with the hands of man, although we do that for a good purpose. But God's eternal plan was to build people made with the hands of God. God's plan is to build people. It's always been people, and that means if you're a part of the family of God, if you're a part of the church, if you're part of God's kingdom, then God wants to build you. He wants to develop you and shape you and mold you and elevate you. He wants to do all this in you so that you can fulfill your destiny. God is investing in you for a purpose, and it's always been God's plan to build People. That's why Ephesians 1 says this, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, not a building, but his people. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are, say it with me, united with Christ, united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Hallelujah. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So hear the word of the Lord. Before you were born, before the heavens were formed, before the earth was formed, before Adam and Eve came forth, God sat down and planned for a people. He planned for a project. He planned to build a people and adopt them and gather them into his family. He decided to make them blessed with him in spiritual places and he chose for this people that he would build uh, to unite with him in victory and to prevail. And I'm here to declare to you today, you are God's project. You're not just part of his creation. God created you, but you're more than a creation. You're the project and the plan and the investment of God. God created the animals, but they are not his project. God created the mountains and the trees, but they are not his project. God created the heaven that we see, but heaven above is not his project. For the fact is heaven and earth will pass away, and the animals will pass away, and the birds and the trees will pass away 
way. But God created you for an eternal plan and purpose. He created you to live with him and to rule with him and to be like him and to glorify him throughout all of eternity. He came to put you on this earth to prepare you for the future glory. And you and I are unique in all of God's creation. He is an eternal plan and we are his project. Just put your hand on your chest and say, I am God's project. And that's why Jesus said, I will build my people. God's out to build us and develop us and mature us. He wants to work off the rough edges so that his eternal purpose can come to pass. And you will never be cast aside or abandoned by God when you view your existence as part of his project. You're God's project. You are God's investment. And every investment has a desired return. Every project has a purpose. And God has a purpose for you. He has invested in you so that he can get a return from you. He's building you for a purpose. And the purpose of God in building you is that you can sit on the throne with him. He's building you because you're destined to rule. That's what Jesus himself said in Revelation 3.21. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. And understand the powerful, amazing revelation in this passage. You're destined for the throne. God has a victorious, glorious, eternal destiny for you. He's invested in you. You're his project to develop a people who become mature and holy and blameless who learn to rule and reign with him. God not only wants to share his love and his home with you, he wants to share his throne with you. And that means you need to get ready. You need to be prepared. You need to be built up so you can achieve that purpose. For 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, you are God's building. Tell your neighbor you are God's building. And that's why so much of the New Testament talks about our growth and our maturity. So much of the Bible deals with how we live and how we develop because God is building us as his people. For 1 Peter 2.5 says, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So put your hand on your chest and say after me, I am God's project. He is building me. And when you understand that, when you make that your focus this year, you will understand that God is shaping you. He's using everything in your life to work off the rough edges and to perfect you. When you see yourself as God's project, you will not get discouraged, but you will yield yourself to him and say, Lord, here I am, build me. That's the lesson we can learn from the two trees. Once upon a time, there were two trees growing up in an orchard. They were fruit-bearing trees destined to bear fruit for the orchard keeper. But every so often, the orchard keeper would come around with his machete and begin to prune the trees. For the gardener knew that the more he pruned the trees, the more they would grow in future and the more fruit they would bear. Now, one tree was willing, even though the prune was painful, he yielded to the gardener and allowed the machete to cut him, to cut off the dead branches to improve and perfect him. But the second tree was angry and stubborn and rebellious. Tell your neighbor he's, no, don't do that, David. 
And when the farmer came with the machete, the second tree would resist him and would slap him with the branches and fight back, wouldn't easily be cut. Eventually, the first tree grew into a strong, powerful, mighty tree with a lot of fruit. But eventually, the second tree, the farmer got sick and tired of being slapped in the face. And so the farmer cut down the second tree and cut him into planks and planed them and left them in his shed. Well, many years later, the big first tree that was still standing had so much fruit, the farmer decided to harvest the fruit and take it to the market. So he went to his shed, and he got those rough boards from the other tree, and he nailed them together and made a wooden crate. Then he carried the wooden crate to the orchard and set it down next to the other tree with the fruit, and they recognized one another. Hey! I know you. You used to stand in this orchard next to me. Yes, the other tree said that was now a wooden crate. It's not fair. We both started in the same place. And here you are, bearing fruit, growing tall. And I've been cut down and made into planks and made into this stupid box. It's not fair. But the first tree replied, don't you remember when we were both young? The farmer came to prune us, and it hurt so much, but I yielded to his pruning. I didn't view the pruning as a problem. I viewed it as progress. But you only saw the pain. You were short-sighted, and you resisted. You lost your potential because you resisted the process. And that's true for so many of us today, we're so focused on the immediate, we're so focused on the problems around us, we've lost sight that we are God's project, and he is working in us and using everything in us to get off the rough edges, to prune us so that we will become more fruitful. So let me ask you a question this New Year's Day. Which tree do you want to be, the fruitful tree or the wooden box. Because if you want to be the fruitful tree, you have to keep your focus on the eternal prospects. You have to understand you are God's project and he's building you and God is using everything around you to develop you. For even the difficulties of this life can prune you and make you more successful. Even the trials and temptations, even the things that discourage you, even the people that fail you and betray you, God can use them and work through them to grow you and mature you and prepare you for the throne. For Romans 8:28 says, we know that God causes everything Somebody say everything. God causes everything to work together for the good. Somebody say for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I declare to you today that every single thing that happens to you in 2023 will turn out for your good when you allow God to use it in your life to build you and develop you. Every person you meet, every plan you come against, every obstacle you meet, everything in life will become something good when you allow God to use it to build you. You will reach your destiny because God will not stop until he completes his project in you. So here's the truth you need to pack up and carry with you every day in 2023. I am God's project, and what God starts, 
he completes. He's going to finish the good work in you. For Philippians 1, 6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. I'm here to declare to you, God always completes what he starts. God always finishes his projects. God always develops his plan and brings it to the end. And he started something in you. And he's going to complete it in you. And he's going to work in you in 2023. And God is going to build you. And nothing will stop your growth this year because God is on your side. If you believe it, say amen. And because God wants to complete his work in you, he's given you the tools you need to prevail. And that brings us to our second truth. I possess God's promise of victory. Listen to the words of Jesus again in Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my ecclesia, my gathered people, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Turn your notes over to page two and understand that first Jesus declares he's building his people and then he promises that his people will prevail. For God's promise to you this year is that you will prevail. God's promise to you is that you will grow and develop. God sees it and we know it will come to pass because he sees what we don't see. He sees the end and he knows that in the end we win. For you see, God has already witnessed the defeat of the enemy. Listen to Revelation 12. The Bible says, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Tell your neighbor they did not prevail. Nor was there any place for them in heaven any longer. The great dragon was cast out. That ancient serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to the earth and his angels were cast down with him. And once Satan and his demons were cast out of heaven, once they were defeated and thrown to the earth, then Jesus came to finish them off. He came to trample them under his feet. He came to disarm them and totally annihilate them and bring them to their expected end. For Colossians 2.15 says... Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And I'm here to tell you today, we already know the end of the story. We know who wins. We know the end. The devil has been cast out. Jesus has defeated him. And Jesus' victory is certain. Somebody say amen. Jesus' victory is sure. It is unavoidable. It is inescapable. You can't get away from it. Jesus' victory is predetermined and predestined and preordained. It is inexorable and relentless and unremitting. You can't alter it. You can't change it. You can't write a different ending. You can't get to any other conclusion. You can't hope for it or wish for it to come out another way. Jesus has won. He always wins. And there's no two ways about it. Somebody say, Jesus. The victory is inevitable. The victory is inescapable. You can't avoid it. You can't get away of it. Jesus Christ has won the victory, and it's not even close. He can never be defeated. He never falls behind. It's not even a draw. There's no prospect or possibility for the devil to come back in overtime or to make a penalty kick and save the match. The devil is defeated. It's already done, and Jesus is the victor. He has prevailed. Hallelujah.
And if Jesus lives in you, then you are a conqueror also. When Jesus lives in you, as he prevailed, you also prevail. That's the lesson we can learn from one of the world's most unusual sporting events. It's called the wife-carrying competition. It's a real thing. Now, the sport of wife-carrying began in Finland over 100 years ago. I don't know what's wrong with those people, but God bless them. In the sport, a man must carry his wife on his back for 253 meters over an obstacle course. And the fastest couple to reach the finish line together win the race. Believe it or not, the wife-carrying competition still exists today. It's held in Finland, America, Australia, and other countries. I think we should start wife-carrying competition here in Ghana. Amen? Any volunteers? Oh, yes, sir, I see you. Thank you. God bless you. See me after. I will say, God bless you. Amen. Look strong. Ha. Hallelujah. Make sure you have a lean wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But what does wife caring have to do with my victory in Christ? Well, the fact is the wife caring competition, the wife doesn't do anything except ride on her husband's back. The husband does all the work. He has to carry the wife. He has to run the race. He has to go through the water. He has to climb over the obstacle holding onto his wife. He does all the work. All the woman has to do is stay on his back. If she gets separated from him, they both lose. But as long as they're together, when they cross the finish line, when he wins, she wins. And even though the wife does nothing but hang on for a ride, she is still co-champion with her husband. He does all the work, but when they win, she wins. She shares the prize equally with her husband. Hey. God bless my wife. <laughs> but that's how it is for us and Jesus. Jesus does all the work. All we have to do is Stay connected to him. As long as we're united with Jesus, he carries us. He runs the race. He does the battle. But as long as we end up with Jesus, we share the victory. Hallelujah. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Prevailing is not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus did. And inside us, we have the divine nature. We have the nature of the one who conquered sin and conquered Satan and conquered death and conquered the grave. We have God inside of us. And when you realize his power is in you, you'll realize that you too can prevail. For 1 John 4, 4 says, my dear children, you belong to God and have defeated them because God's spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. You see, when Jesus is the founder foundation of the people of God. And when Jesus has the plan for the people of God, we will always prevail because his victory is our victory. He prevails and we prevail. And Jesus' victory over the devil empowers us so that we also conquer the devil. When Jesus said, I will build my people, it means that nothing can stop it from taking place. Nothing can prevent it in 2023. God is building you and God has given you a promise and you will prevail because 
because he prevailed. But that's not the only good news. Listen to what else Jesus says in verse, uh, uh, the verse of our text. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the people of God. And Jesus uses the word gates. And I begin to understand what that means. The gates are something defensive. Gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates are what you use to keep the enemy out. Gates are what you lock at night to keep armed robbers out. We use gates to keep the enemy away and to prevent people from coming in. So if Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against you, what does it mean? It means that God has empowered you and God has called you to go on the offensive and begin to attack the kingdom of darkness. It means the church is on the offensive and the devil is on the defensive. It means that the devil will try to keep us out, but we have prevailed and we are going into plunder. And here's the reason the gates of hell cannot prevail against you, because the devil has lost the key. For you see, in Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I, Jesus, I hold the keys of death and hell. And I'm here to tell you today, in 2023, the devil has lost the key to his gate. And that key is now in the possession of Jesus. And let me tell you, friend, when you lose the key to your gate, you're in trouble. When you lose the key to your gate, you can't lock your gate. You cannot go in or out. When you lose the key to the gate, somebody else has the key and they can come in to plunder. And that's what Jesus is telling us. You can go and plunder hell. You can go and attack the devil. We're not on the defense. We're on the offense. Somebody say prevail. Hallelujah. God is calling us this year to go in and plunder. I'm not just trying to fight off the attack of the enemy. I'm invading his kingdom. I'm taking back what belongs to me. I'm coming to take back what was stolen. I'm entering into the realms of darkness to bring the light of God everywhere I go. So my message to you today is this. Stop focusing on yourself and start focusing on the bigger picture. Stop asking God to save you from the devil and start going in to bind him and attack him and plunder his kingdom. Stop worrying about what witches and wizards may do to you and start to worry them. I declare agape house is on the offensive. We are the people of God who have prevailed. The mighty Jesus lives in us. And I serve notice to the devil today in the name of Jesus. Every stronghold, every principality, every power, every ruler of darkness in high places over East Lagon, over Accra, over Ghana, over Africa, over our world. I bind you in the name of Jesus here on earth. And you are bound in heaven in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say prevail. For the gates of hell will not prevail, but you will prevail. We're not on the defensive, we're on the offensive. That's the lesson we can learn from an eight-year-old boy in India named Deepak. In November last year, Deepak was playing outside his home in the village of Panderpad in central India. Suddenly, a cobra came and latched onto Deepak's arm. The cobra wrapped itself around his arm and reared its head, ready to strike and bite him with poisonous venom, fighting through the pain. 
Deepak furiously shook his arm. He fought the reptile. He tried to get it off, but he couldn't release the pain. He couldn't release the power of the cobra. So Deepak decided to give the cobra a taste of his own medicine. And Deepak opened his mouth and bit the cobra. Hey! He bit him again and killed the cobra. Deepak won, Cobra nil. <laughs> Listen to his words. The snake got wrapped around my arm and bit me. I was in great pain, Deepak told the New Indian Express newspaper. As the reptile didn't budge when I tried to shake it off, I bit it hard twice. It all happened in a flash. The cobra died but Deepak prevailed. Now listen, friends, I am not suggesting you try this at home. <laughs> Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. But what I am telling you is this. It's time to arise and attack the devil. It's time to give him a taste of his own medicine. It's time for us to strike back and go on the offensive and prevail. For God's promises are with us and we will prevail. These are not just empty words. These are the words that have the power of life. These are the words that created the heavens and the earth. And these are the words that give us a promise of reassurance. For here's the truth you need to remember. I possess God. God's promise of victory, and God's promises never fail. So just lift your hand and say that after me. I possess God's promise of victory, and God's promises never fail. And the same word that brings you a promise is the same word that brings you power, and that's our third truth today. I am equipped with God's power to prevail. Listen to these powerful words from Jesus in verse 19. Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus has given you the keys to his kingdom. Simply put, that means that Jesus has given you the power to prevail. Jesus has prevailed, and he promises to cover us and protect us. But Jesus wants to do more than just protect you. Jesus wants to do more than cover you. Jesus wants to do more than fight for you. Jesus wants to come inside of you and empower you so that you have the power to prevail. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 3.19, may you, the people of God, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Can you grab hold of this promise today? Can you understand this revelation? God is praying that you will understand, that your eyes will be opened, that you will experience the love of Christ so that all the fullness of his power will dwell in you. And when that happens, it leads us to verse 20. He goes on to say, with God's power working in us, he can do much, much more than anything we can ask or think of. God has equipped you with power. He's empowered you so that in this year, 2023, you can do exceedingly abundantly more than you thought through his power at work in you. There's more for you this year. Don't be small-minded. 
Expand your vision and align your expectation with the omnipotence of God. This week, I read the amazing true story of a man named Adama Dieme from the Casabans region of Senegal. Adama spent several years working in Europe, and then he decided to return home, return home to the Casamance region of Senegal in 2020. But when he got back, he saw something that shocked and disturbed him. All the villages he went to were lacking trees. The big, beautiful trees that had been there since his childhood had been cut down, used for firewood or for building, and no one had the foresight to replant the trees. And so he was troubled. Without trees, there would be no vegetation, no greenery. There would be just unbearable heat and no fruit. Adama knew we had to plant trees. So he set off on a project of tree planting. But he's not simply aiming to plant a few trees here or there. Adama set a goal to plant five million trees in the next five years. Five million trees. Hey, nobis Martino. One man. He's not a big man. He's not a wealthy man. He doesn't have a PhD. He's one man with a little money. But he invested his own 5000 to get the project started. He's totally committed. And he's going through to the villages of the Casamance region of Senegal, training women how to plant trees so that they can grow fruit and reforest Senegal. As I read about Adama and his goal to plant five million trees in five years, I was challenged by God. If one ordinary man can set a goal to plant five million trees, what can I do with the power of God? What can you do with the power of God? Why can't we set a goal to witness to five million people? Why can't we set a goal to pray five million prayers? Why can't we set a goal to give $5 million? Why can't we set a goal to rise up in faith and let the power of God make us impact 5 million people? For when you know that God's power is in you, you can dream big, you can plan big, you can have a great expectation. For with God, you will prevail. What goal does God want for you this year? What big audacious, faith-filled, God-empowered goal is he setting for you. For you are God's project. He's invested in you. He wants you to succeed. He's building you to reign with him on the throne. And he's given you all the promises you need. He's given you the promises that will help you prevail. And not only the promises, he's given you the power, the power of his presence, the power with the keys of the kingdom. He wants to fill you with all the power of God so that you will prevail. For the Bible says in Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can overcome the enemy this year. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And today you can pull down demonic strongholds. You can experience signs and wonders for Jesus promised and 
Mark 16, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. These are the promises of God empowering you. And he says, if you believe today, you can move mountains. For in Mark 11, Jesus said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, maybe you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. For when you walk in God's path to prevail, you cannot fail to prevail. So lift your hands and say after me, I am equipped with God's power and I will prevail in 2023. He's given you the promise. He's given you the power. He's given you the keys to his kingdom. And I challenge you today to arise in faith. Follow the path that God has laid out for you. Become his project today. Let everything work for good in your life. For he's building you and developing you. He's investing in you so that you can reign. He's promised you victory. And he's equipped you with his power. The power to prevail. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.